Hello and welcome to the Flex. It's Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie, as always, bringing you a little Friars coverage of uh, the most anticipated Providence game of the season so far. Just a reminder, we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download the app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. If you're looking to get a ticket to this game Wednesday night, use that code if you're looking for last second, last second seats there. Also, a reminder this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house enterprise.com, for more info. Joe, happy. Uh, Happy New Year here. Um, we're going to do, do this show. I know uh, there's a lot going on in the world of sports right now. It can be a little bit hard to focus on college basketball at the moment, but I will take this as a little bit of uh, an escape from other things. And uh, we're going to have a big game Wednesday night. And yeah. the Friars had a, a big game to ring in the new year, too. Yep. You know, definitely a lot going on. So, you know, count your blessings. Keep your loved ones close. But Happy New Year, everybody. Um, let's let's. I'm excited, you know. This was a, a we're coming off a, a trip to the Midwest where, you know, you could have easily split those games, but you win both comfortably. Um, that DePaul game was a little funky, uh, some some weird fouls and some weird dynamics in that one. But, you know, a win is a win is a win. And, you know, on a, on a night when you played pretty sloppy, you won by 15. So you take that, you stick it in your back pocket and you're coming home to what will likely be a sold out Amica Mutual Pavilion to host the number four team in the country. Ed Cooley's calling them the best team in the country. So we're hosting one of the best teams in college basketball in the Connecticut Huskies for the first rivalry matchup at in this building since UConn has rejoined the Big East. Yeah, this should be a good one. Uh, you talk about that trip to the Midwest. Looking back, I think the Friars go out there and they were in position to be in position, if you will. Yeah. They were yep. they that was kind of the the ramp up of all right here's two games that uh, aren't aren't must uh, aren't big games but the games you can't lose yeah these are ones you have to bring your a game and those are the kind of games that if you're not a good team those those will trip you up and they didn't mm-hmm. the Friars controlled both of them and now I'd say they are in position to be ranked you win this game over number four UConn you should get into the AP poll the Friars received votes this week they received votes the week before you win this and you don't lose to St. John's you're going to be ranked next week Matt you set me up perfectly and I know you did it because I told you this stat before the game (laughs) at this point in time on the schedule last year Providence was receiving votes before a ranked road win at UConn the following Monday they found themselves in the AP top 25 This is a very, very similar position for the Friars right now. Receiving votes, you know, some quality wins on the resume, and you have a date with a ranked UConn. This time, you're at home, though. That's the that's the kicker. Yeah, Uh, it's nice to be to be back in the building there too. After some road games, Uh, we're going to get into the analysis of this in a moment. But I do just want to point out one thing that uh, we had noticed, or I had noticed as we were gearing up for this, pulling up the game notes. Last year, the Friars in their conference home opener broke out the uh, the white throwbacks, the yellow lettering and the, the black stripes there. And if you go to the game notes for this one, they're using a picture from that game with that uniform. This is the home conference opener. I wouldn't be shocked to see them. Oh, sorry. This is not the home conference opener. That was the Marquette game. Yeah. Excuse me. 
but the first big home game in conference play, I wouldn't be. You can't even say that because that was a ranked game. It's a rivalry. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I would not be shocked to see the throwbacks get brought out for this one. I would not be shocked either. Um, you know, Matt, for 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 everyone else's context, Matt and I had a 15 minute side conversation in preparation, just talking about. <laughs> Big East uniforms, um, and we were saying, you know, I, I like, pers- I personally, I like the, the throwback homes with the the yellow and the, and the black trim. Um, I don't think that they're ones that they wear consistently, but I do like those jerseys, so I wouldn't hate to see those brought out. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this, this game has a lot of build up to it right now. You know, we're, we're speculating what jerseys they're gonna wear. This is gonna be a fun one. Yeah, which by the way, I do. I did create myself a nice little Big East jersey tracker now, so I can I can break down each team's record wearing each jersey, see when they wear that. So that's a fun little side project. But yeah, uh, before we get into the Providence UConn game, any thoughts on that DePaul one? That anything that we didn't kind of already talk about going into it, and anything new about the team? No, I, I mean I, I think that's the type of game we expected. Um, you know, it could have gone either way, but you know. DePaul is DePaul and, and, and the Friars started the, they started the new calendar year the same way they did last year with a, a double digit victory at Wintrust. Um, part of me, you know, there's there was a lot of back and forth with the chippiness and the technical fouls. You, you got to think that, you know, this is a DePaul team that right now is really frustrated. Uh, you know, Tony Stubblefield isn't necessarily a bad coach, but, you know, you're coaching a program that has not been good. It's just flat out simple. They have not been good. And this is a Providence team that's had its way with DePaul the past two seasons. So if I'm a player on DePaul, of course, I'm getting frustrated. And, you know, we know Ed Croswell and Jared Bynum to be these chippy, emotional players. So, you know, some of it might have been in retaliation. Some of it might have been, you know, instigation. Nonetheless, you know, I wasn't surprised by the chippiness of this game especially given the most recent matchup between Providence and DePaul. DePaul held a double-figure lead at the Dunkin' Donuts Center last year, and Providence came back and took it. So this is a DePaul team that returns players from that team, returns the coach. I'm sure they wanted a slice of revenge, and you know it it stinks to to be at home and to get your teeth kicked in. Yeah, and and the Friars, I I think they could have run away with that and won by more. Yeah, I think so too. Played a better second half, but I mean, they... I think they, they played a pair of dominant first halves last week. And yeah. sometimes if, if you're that dominant in the first half, most of the time you're you're going to coast to a victory regardless of what happens the rest of the game. So I wasn't too concerned. I was a little bit shocked to see Devin Carter not get the Big East player of the week nod. I will say yeah, that. Yeah, I was too. Um, who actually did get it? I actually... I haven't checked. It that. was it was Jack Nungy. He had a pair of really good okay. games too. He well, played through, I believe, a stomach bug or food poisoning or something. In when Xavier beat UConn, so I get it. But I, I, he's not even the Xavier player I would have I would have picked. We, <laughs> we just got a message in the chat. Under <laughs> over tall boys tomorrow between the two of you, eleven and a half. I'm pounding that over. Yeah, I'm. I'm unfortunately going to be watching this one from home. I just, I, I I'm cannot get over. myself up to. Yeah, uh, but I will be heading to the grocery store after we record this. I was planning on picking up beers, so um, yeah, I, I will supplement whatever it is that you're doing in person there, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a counter. I'm gonna, you know, I, I, I said this, you know, to my uncle Kevin before, uh, before the weekend, and I said. This is the first time that I have seen Dan Hurley coach UConn in person. And I hated 
playing in at the dunk when he was at URI. So I'm going to need like an elephant tranquilizer before the game to sedate me because I'm going to have some select words for Mr. Harley. We got to put that on a t-shirt. Going to need an elephant tranquilizer. Uh, Dan Hurley, we were talking about technical fouls in the Providence DePaul one. He had a technical for UConn late in their loss at Xavier, yep. which was, um, I don't know, it was a, a pretty big turning point in that game late. I think I, how he handles himself in this one, he's going to be under a microscope, that's for sure. I wouldn't say that that necessarily lost UConn the game, but it certainly shifted the momentum that was already building for Xavier. Like, Xavier had gone on a little run, and that technical foul kind of just pushed them even further. Um, we saw the same thing happen to Dan Hurley against Villanova at home last season yeah. when UConn upset Villanova. That, again, this is twice now where the moment has proven to be a little bit too much for Hurley, and he gets himself teed up. I, this is a, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit different when you're at home and you can kind of get the crowd to play into it, get your your players to feed into it and all that. It's very different in a one or two possession ball game on the road with three minutes left or you're giving yeah. the other team free points. He has to be really, really careful on Wednesday night because this is going to be an environment that is going to be hostile from the tip of the basketball. It's an it's an environment of fans that did not like him when he was the URI coach, and now he has transferred over to Providence's Big East rival. He has to be extremely careful of what he does because if the crowd gets into it and he gets overly emotional, you, you could see another technical foul on Dan Hurley. Yeah, and honestly, for that reason alone, I kind of expect that it won't happen because yeah. it's, it's it's so likely to happen. And Dan, Dan Hurley's a smart enough guy. Like he, he's had his issues controlling himself for sure, but he isn't this bad. But if it happens again, you then we need to have a serious, serious conversation about his ability to lead this team. Because yeah. if you do that in back, if you blow a gasket in back-to-back road games, get yourself kicked out of a game at the end of last season, that's that's a lot in a very short amount of time there. And yeah, uh, I he'll probably be all right. It's. It's a UConn team that'll be looking to bounce back. They dropped to number four in the polls. I still don't under, as far as I'm concerned, this team should be number one in the polls. I don't even care about the loss to Xavier. Like, I, I mean, Ed Cooley said it best in the post game press conference after that DePaul game when asked about the Xavier UConn game. He said that's one of the best college basketball games, if not the best one to this point of the 2022 2023 college basketball season. Like, that I don't think UConn deserved to drop that much after that loss because Xavier no. is a really good team. So yeah. and, uh, Kevin Sweeney wrote an article too today for Sports Illustrated, his column I was reading, talking about the AP poll. And his point was basically like, the only reason UConn dropped is because they lost more recently than the other teams they're around. But right. they still have a better resume yeah. than all of them. And it's, it's them and Houston next to one another at the top of the computers right now. And the only team that Houston has lost to is Alabama. And UConn beat them by 15 on a neutral site. Yeah. So if you look at resumes here, it's hard to think anybody but UConn should be the number one team in the country. In my eyes, they'd be a number one seed if the tournament started today. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm in agreement. Yeah. So let's the, the last time a team, let's say it was a projected number one seed, the team that ended up as a number one seed came into rest. Providence. You know? Was this uh, the Xavier game in 2018? 
or the Villanova the... game in 2018? Both. Yeah, okay. <laughs> both so, that oh, season. I didn't know which one to pick. Yeah, and the Friars won both of those. And that Xavier one was part of back-to-back losses around this time of year for that yep. for that Xavier team. I heard you bring this up on the Road to the Garden podcast. So I, I, I was I was expecting you were going to bring that stat into this. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, th- this is one of the weird things about scheduling in the Big East is sometimes, you know, you, you find these trends. And here we are where you have a projected number one seed that is uh, on a back-to-back road trip to two hostile environments. So, listen, I, I think a lot has to happen and a lot – Providence will have to do a lot of things the right way in order to get a win on Wednesday – but I don't think it's as out of the realm of possibility as some people may think. No, uh, especially not with the way the Friars have been playing, not with the environment in that building, and not with the fact that, quite frankly, UConn has been trending a little bit down over the past couple weeks. They've yeah. still been playing good basketball, but not quite at the same level they were playing in the the PKI. They played a closer right. game to Georgetown than people thought. They lost to Xavier. Even that Butler game was, I think, a little bit closer at points than people expected it might be, although they obviously ran away with it. So, yeah, I think it's, a, it's obviously now we've seen a beatable UConn team. We'll see if they're actually able to do it. Um, I got I got two stats for you here. Um, one, just to mention, the other one I think is going to be the top storyline in this game. Top one, the first one, obviously we know Devin Carter's tweet after the TCU game saying they're going to get things right. Since that point, we'll flip the calendar there into December. According to Bart Torvik, Providence is the number eight team in the country inefficiency and number seven is UConn so when it comes to how these teams have played over the last month and change they're they are neck and neck obviously I don't think that takes quality of opponent into account that much I know Florida Atlantic is like right up in the same area (laughs) so it's not gospel obviously but I think that is absolutely notable that the computers say this is a very 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 close game and the other part so that's Bart Torvik. We'll go to the other computer here with uh, Mr. Ken Pomeroy himself. <laughs> According to him, the number one player in the conference right now is Adama Snoko. And the number two player in the conference is Bryce Hopkins. It's going to be one and two going against each other Wednesday night, and it should be a blast. You know, I, lo- I really love that pair of stats for a couple of reasons. I think first and foremost, I just love that that. Devin Carter tweets that out and he's been at the forefront of this Providence surge over the past couple of weeks. You know, obviously we saw what he just did in the Midwest, but even before that, the defensive uh, prowess, his athleticism, he's been scoring more than expected. You know, he's the, he's the locker room guy that this team needed. And, you know, even the way he's carried himself on the post-game press conferences, he's the, he's right now like the outward PR face of the program on and off the court. And I just think that, you know, him sending that tweet and then having the the handful of games that followed just go hand in hand so perfectly together. Um, and what you said about, you know, Sonogo and um, and Hopkins, I think what's interesting, too, is Sonogo didn't have his best game against uh, Villanova recently. Hopkins didn't have the best trip to the Midwest. So I think both of these two players are due for, you know, another one of those, you know, breakout games. 
obviously Devin Carter was the story for the Friars in this Midwest trip at Butler and at DePaul. Sonogo had a little bit of a bounce back against Xavier, but hasn't been as dominant as he's been in the past. Same with Hopkins. I think that this is a really interesting matchup, especially because it's two different styles of play and they likely won't be matched up on one another. So it's going to be fun to see both of them go at it. I want to start with Bryce Hopkins when we're looking at these matchups. And I think to me, watching the UConn Xavier game this past weekend, what was most shocking is how consistently Xavier was able to get into the post on offense and make stuff work. Zach Fremantle had a double double. I saw him work uh, Andre Jackson a number of on a number of occasions and made it look easy. Um, Jerome Hunter had 15 points for them. I think this is an area where Bryce Hopkins should be able to thrive. I think he and Andre Jackson going against each other will as a that'll just be fun to watch with two freak athletes who can yeah. play well. I, I do also think it's interesting, like the, the Fremantle Andre Jackson thing is Jackson is an athlete and Fremantle is very technically sound and having a great season. They're different players and it's they say yeah. styles make fights. Well, I think Bryce Hopkins and Andre Jackson in a lot of ways kind of play the same style. They're both freak athletes. Hopkins is bigger, Jackson is a little bit quicker. Yeah. But I, I'm very curious to see how that goes down and how the Friars are able to operate on offense in the paint. I I think we're going to see somewhat of a, a replica of what happened against Marquette where Hopkins finds himself at the free throw line a ton. Um, like you said, you know, Jackson is quicker, but Hopkins is bigger. I, I think we're going to see a lot of Hopkins driving to the rim and getting a little touchy fouls that are, are going to wind up being controversial, but the correct call at the end of the day, just because of the size mismatch in terms yeah, and of this is, girth, not length. Yeah, and- and this is a Providence team right now that is 20th in the nation in free throw rate. That's how often they get to the free throw line. And a UConn defense that is 332nd in free throw rate. So UConn fouls a ton. You know, yeah. like So we obviously know how often the Friars get to the line. UConn's basically, on average, sending their opponent to the line as often as Providence is getting there right now. Yeah, that like It's crazy. So the Friars should spend a lot of this game at the free throw line if they play it right and the passes are getting in. I think that'll be a key part is actually getting into that area of the court to make it happen. Yeah, I agree. I think a key part of that will be Jared Bynum, who's kind of picked it up as of late. Um, If he can get those entry passes down, I think we'll be good. Um, You you know, I I just thought of, though, is (laughs) this better not be one of those matchups where we get to the line a ton and we miss like 13 or 14 free throws because then I'm going to lose my freaking mind. Yeah, no, that could be. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to see what happens. There. You got, I mean, you got to make your free throws. Yeah, in a that, position like this, that's just, that's gonna be an important stat at the end of the day. Yeah. I will say the Friars have gotten better at the stripe. They aren't no, they, great, but they've improved. They have. They, they've yeah. from game one to now, they've definitely improved at the line. You still see a, a couple of uh, performances where there's blips, and you know uh, you'll miss five or six per player. But you know that's neither here nor there. You, you, you got to tighten it up. Yeah. Uh, you look at this UConn defense right now, one that is currently ranked as the number four offense in Ken Palm. Oh, sorry, number four defense in Ken Palm. It's been incredibly efficient. There's basically two areas where they're at their best. One is defending the three-point line. And because of that, I do not think we're going to see the Friars take a lot of threes. They don't usually. Safer only took 13 last game, and they like to shoot it. So I, I there's just no need to play out there. What is interesting is they're a top 10 team stopping teams from getting offensive rebounds. The Friars are currently the sixth best offensive rebounding team in the country. I think that is probably 
going to be what determines this game when Providence has the ball. Yeah, this is a really interesting paint matchup because you have, you know, the projected Big East player of the year in Adama Sonogo. And, you know, I'll go as far as saying the projected freshman of the year in Donovan Klingon down low for the, the Huskies. And you've got a workhorse in Ed Croswell who isn't the biggest or strongest of the bigs in the conference, but he's certainly, you know, he can hold his own down in the paint. I think, you know, Clifton Moore is going to be an X factor for us defensively off the bench. He put together a really solid performance at Butler and was a really good matchup on Manny Bates. Um, You know, I I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the Friars, you know, try to clean the glass against a a really solid UConn front court. Really solid. You ever, Sonogo's a big boy. He's a big, he's a big man. Yeah, it's, a, it's crazy. You look at this. Adama Snogo, 6.7 rebounds per game. Andre Jackson, 6.3 rebounds per game. Donovan Klingon, 6.1 rebounds per game. And then Tristan Newton gets into it. He's got 4.4. Caravan, he gets four rebounds a game. I think he looked rough on defense at certain points last game. So they got a lot of guys that are going to get into the fray. I will say, if they're trying to put Caravan out there to defend Bryce Hopkins, I think that's going to go very poorly for UConn. I think that's kind of been their their weakness has been their play at the four so far. If they have it's either their, their play at the four being inconsistent, or their guards not always being able to turn it on and score when needed. Those are kind of the two flaws on offense. Yeah, I agree. And I think you know from a guard standpoint, if, if UConn can get their backcourt going, I don't know how much I trust Jared Bynum and Noah Locke as the one and the two to lock them down defensively. I, I'd expect that Alan Breed's going to log a lot of minutes at the shooting guard spot. But to your point, Matt, about the four spot, you know, Fremantle obviously is having a really good bounce back season, but they made him look like an all-star last game defensively. Like he was, he was getting whatever he wanted with ease. And I'd go as far as saying that, that Bryce Hopkins is, you know, significantly more athletic than Zach Fremantle. So if he's attacking the basket, like that's going to be a lot of trouble for this UConn team. Yeah. He will have to be technically sound. That is for sure. Because this is the UConn team that like, they'll rip the ball away from you. And if you're lazy yeah. with your dribble, it's the Friars don't take threes. I imagine Dan Hurley is going to make some adjustments after last week. And I expect them to clog paint better against Providence than they did against Xavier so you just you got to be careful with the ball there I think in some ways this kind of becomes a a huge Jared Bynum game because he has to navigate the offense and he's really he's really good with the ball right now he's not turning it over a ton so just be careful with it get it in where it needs to go get the entry passes and let everybody else get to work and if it comes back to you it comes back to you hit the shots when you get them but I think the point about Jared Bynum too is the past couple of games it looks like he's letting the game come to him and I think because of that, we've seen this resurgence into the consistency of what we saw last season of, with Bynum. Um, this is going to be a really big test for him because this is a game where, you know, you're the veteran, you're the leader. You need to take control here because this is this is this could be a resume building like a resume making win for the Friars. And if Jared Bynum is this senior leader, this senior captain, this, you know, I have the reins in my hands guy, it's got to be him. He's got to be the, the dude. <laughs> he's got to be Ed Cooley's dude. Yeah. Oh, he he absolutely has to be. Uh, when we look at the other end here, when UConn has the ball, uh, they're they're a very good offense. They just they don't do a lot poorly. They're not fantastic at any single thing. They're just kind of consistently good. I will say, it becomes a lot easier to play offense when your defense gets stops like yeah. theirs has. Yeah, you, you play in the half court a lot less. You can play in transition a lot more, and that helps. But 
they're a good three-point shooting team. That's where the Friars' weakness. I think we've seen them clean it up on the three-point defense in the last couple of games. Yeah. They're going to have to be good there. Although, UConn took, I think, 37 three-pointers at Xavier. So, if they're going to take that many and miss the way they did, maybe you don't hate it. I mean, in the final, let's call it four minutes of the second half, I don't know the stat, Matt, but oh, I they, have it. they missed how many threes? Eight. Yeah. So they went they went one for ten in the final four minutes of the game against Xavier, and eight of the shots were threes, and they didn't make a single one. I, I think three or four came in one possession, too. I, yeah, I think that's a good example of the, the composure in a late game situation when your back is against the wall. Like if you're gonna resort to chucking a three pointer and not looking for a quality shot, you know, I think, you know, advantage Friars, if we're in that situation and UConn is just chucking threes. Yeah, Andre Jackson took 12 three-pointers and made four of them. Like that's, um, and this is also where, like, I think you get, you you have to be locked in if you're Providence, because I don't think UConn's going to play that poorly again. I expect them to come out motivated and locked in. I don't think they're going to be rattled by the road environment, at least early, maybe late, maybe if things don't go their way, but they're going to get out to a hot start. And you have to be able to play with them and match the intensity from the opening tip. You don't want to play from behind. If I could make a prediction on what I think is going to happen, I think TCU at Providence from last season, where Mm -hmm. the road team is going to get out to a somewhat convincing lead, uh, but we're going to have to chip our way back in. Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction on the outcome just because there's too much riding on this game emotionally for me to do that. But I I think (laughs) – if I was going to you know, pick a, a, a skeleton outline of how I think the game is going to go, I think UConn's going to jump out to an early lead and Providence is going to have to use the crowd in the building to chip back in. Yeah, I, I expect, honestly, if, if you really want a comparison then on the game, I think you got to talk about the Texas Tech game last year when they came in. The Friars also had 38 free throw attempts in that one. Yeah. And battled back to get some clutch shots late. And that was a, a Texas Tech team, by the way, that at that time, was ranked at number seven in the country. And what game did I say? Are we talking? No. When did you? Are we talking about the same thing? Did, did I, I just not, totally? Did I not say Texas Tech? I I, I don't know, I, I don't like... remember what I said. I either said Texas. Now I'm thinking I said TCU. You said TCU. Did you I you said TCU? TCU? Yeah. So I meant to say Texas Tech at Providence. That's what I meant to say. See, uh, is, we are starting happens. off the new year hot here. This is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens. Well, anyway, so we're on the same page here. Texas Tech yeah, at Providence. Yeah. And that, yeah. that yeah, I fully agree that that's going to have to be the game plan here. Uh, I'm very interested to just see what, what Providence's offense looks like. Because I think we've seen the Friars offense look really good lately, especially for stretches. Yeah. And it's also been against defenses that haven't been fantastic. This is the first like really really good defense they're going to get since playing well. I re- I want to see what the I'm just curious. Like it's cuz even if the Friars lose this game, I think you learn a lot about where the team is and how it projects going forward what their answers are. Yeah. Like if it's if Yukon clogs the paint, do they start chucking threes? Is that what happens? Is that a conscious decision? Are they saying, "Hey, we're going to trust our three-pointers against this Yukon defense because we know that they're going to overplay to the inside and we think we have the guys that can hit it?" Or are they going to panic and it's going to be a lot of late shot clock stuff where they can't get an offense going? Yeah. I mean, I 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I trust our three point shooting. Uh, to be completely honest, I think you know this is like you said, Matt. This is a, a big test for our offense in the paint. Um, when you look at the the front courts of other teams across the com- the conference, you know this is our first test against one of those you know acclaimed powerful front courts. You know, mm-hmm. Seton Hall, Marquette. Butler, DePaul, they're not they're not the, the teams with the guys that you, we've been talking about all season. You know, mm-hmm. this is the first test. And of course, it's against one of the, one of, if not the most difficult front court in the conference. So our offense has run, you know, primarily through the paint. This is this is going to be a, a, a big, big test for us, especially considering we haven't played Xavier yet. And they have another good front court. We haven't played, you know. Eric Dixon at Villanova. We haven't played a lot of the names that have been tossed around a lot by the media, you know. So this is it. This is a <laughs> you're, you're getting, yeah. a, you're getting a, a huge welcome here to the front courts of the conference. Yeah, and I will say I think it's it's a very good sign that they played against Oso Megadaro and did well, and they played against Manny Bates and they did well, and those are the guys kind of they get the high end of the middle class of yeah. centers in the Big East at the moment, and that's what well, the guys at the top. It's probably three of them right now, and that's Sonogo, Dixon, and Colt Brennard. But you might be able to throw Donovan Klingon in that mix too here, depending. So how they? I, I'm gonna another thing I think that could matter if this game is close. By the way, where the fringes really start to matter is if you can get good minutes from Clifton Moore or from Rafael Castro, because Donovan Klingon is massive and very good at basketball. And the difference between like Sonogo and and Croswell down there, they're the same height. Sonogo is better. I'm intrigued to see how they look one-on-one. I think that's a matchup Croswell can hold his own in. I'm not convinced either of these backup centers can hold their own against Kling. No, and I said this a few minutes ago. I think Clifton Moore defensively will be an X factor for us, especially if Croswell's having difficulty with Sonogo. We haven't seen Cooley you know, necessarily fear pulling Croswell in favor of Clifton Moore. Um you know, Clifton Moore has, you know, provides some nice pressure around the rim. He's long, he's lanky, he's good at blocking shots. The girth here is what is frightening to me is because Sonogo's a big, thick man. You know, yeah. Donovan Klingon, he's not too, he's not skinny. He's not a freshman year Kalkbrenner for comparison. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's got some girth to him too. Clifton Moore is a skinnier dude. Rafael Castro, they call him slim and, and it's for a reason. You know, these guys don't hold a lot of weight. They have a lot of length, uh, but you know, this is. I wouldn't be surprised to see UConn just start pounding it inside if we can't match defensively. Yeah, uh, clinging there at seven two two sixty five. Jeez, what, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, and that's where you mentioned the signs of those guys, and that's where again I kind of come back to whatever's going on at the four, whether that's Caravan or Andre Jackson there. I think the Friars will have an advantage, yeah. especially when they have the ball. Caravan has looked rough on defense in stretches here. He. He reminds me of a younger Noah Horkler. He's yeah. the big, big forward who can shoot the ball, but he's not the toughest guy, and he can get bullied down low. And I think that's one where Bryce Hopkins, like I said before, Bryce Hopkins can take advantage of it. I think he will need to, and that also means Hopkins is going to have to. Uh, we'll see how they see how they double Snogo, and if they decide to double Snogo here, because doubling Snogo is going to mean, and it probably happens with Hopkins, it's going to mean taking somebody away from the perimeter. You probably don't want to take away from Caravan, though. No. So I, I don't know what defensive assignments they're going to pull out here. I'm intrigued. I feel like Cooley's going to go man, just straight up man-to-man. I, I, yeah. I feel like that's, that, that's his style 
when it comes to matchups like this. I feel like he doesn't try to be overly, you know, sneaky or, or you know, he doesn't you try pick to pick your spots to be sneaky. Yeah. You pick your, yeah, you pick your spots to be sneaky. I don't think this is that spot. I think Cooley wants a straight up man to man rock fight. Yeah. Well, and I also, I think this is one of those two where like, all right, if, if it's working, um, but, Oh, all of a sudden Sonogo gets two or three baskets in a row. All right. Then you send a double out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you, you do it for a possession and then you back off and then you bring it back like four possessions later and you switch it up just to make them a little bit uncomfortable and get them, get them out of rhythm. We'll see, we'll see how they actually end up handling it. Uh, And that's where I think in some ways the matchup of the game ends up being Croswell against Sonogo. Not that I don't, I don't think any of us expect Croswell to win that matchup but if he can play well enough that he allows you to match up everywhere else then you feel a lot better Sonogo can score in double figures but I think if Croswell holds his own I wouldn't necessarily say that he loses that matchup sure statistically but I I think Croswell is chippy enough to hold his own against Sonogo I'm not necessarily worried about him it's if you know you know Croswell messes up on a player too he gets pulled then you put Clifton Moore in there. He mess. It's it's if you start stumbling over the course of two players and Sonogo gets going, that's where I get worried. I think you need yeah. to let Croswell have a few minutes to just bang around down low and then go from there. And he's going to have to be really good and disciplined in getting his offensive rebounds too. Yeah. That's where the Friars have thrived on offense this year. Uh, I actually I have a stat for you. This is um, courtesy of Haslametrics, which they do great stuff over there. Um, the Friars are currently in the, what do you call it? Um, they're, they are ninth in the country in the percentage of second chance opportunities that they score on. So on 8.1% of all missed field goals, the Friars score. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. so they're top 10 there, which is a crazy, crazy stat. They're so good at it because not only do they get the offensive rebounds, but they put Probably it back. Croswell's a magician with getting it back up there. <laughs> Croswell cleaners. Yeah. I think that's where Devin Carter becomes a figure in this too. And heck, Clifton Moore was really good on the offensive glass last game. So yeah. just continuing that play, I think, is going to be huge. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to take a page out of, out of the commentators from last game. You know, this game, it, it can be really simple. You just you need to break it down to the basics and play your style of basketball and you'll be rewarded for it. You know, it's when you overcomplicate things that, you know, that's when this gets a little bit hairy and a little out of hand. You just got, you got to play them straight up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And it's, that's how you learn about your team and how you grow too. Obviously you're going to play UConn again later this year. So I think you got to start out that way and you see how they handle it. If they can't handle, if they can't match up, then you make the adjustments, but you give them the shot because these guys have been playing well enough to earn it. This isn't, this is a very good team right now. What is Ed Cooley's all-time mark against Dan Hurley? I don't have that in front of me. I can, I can look. He's two and one since, since UConn joined the Big East, and I think he and then was seven eight, and seven, one. Seven one. No, I think there were two losses in there um, when Dan Hurley was at URI. I don't think they had this in the game notes either. I was there. Was there was there were less stats in the game notes this week than I expected there to be, by the way, there was, there was nothing on how well the Friars have done against teams that are ranked this highly. It's the coaching rivalry. No one wants to talk about. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I want to see how that goes. Um, 
Yeah, I was just I'm so excited for this one. And the, the Friar, we talked about it before the show. The Friars come into this kind of with house money. Yeah. And you're four and for the first time ever. I, I mean you I lose to the number four team in the country, nobody's gonna bat an eye. We talked about, you know, this DePaul game as potentially being a trap game. And what's been, you know, overshadowed is that the Friars are off to a four and start in conference play for the first time in school history. You're going into this UConn game quite literally with house money because you've never been in a position before to enter game five of conference play undefeated. And I think, you know, with, because of that advantage, you know, you know, Friars should come into this and play real loose. It, mm-hmm. We compared this, Matt, to the last game of the season against Villanova last year when the Friars had already won and, you know, stowed away the trophy for the Big East regular season title. You go into that Villanova game and it's like, you win, great, you have bragging rights, you lose, okay, you know, whatever, it happens. Yeah, and the, the other thing here is like it does feel like that, but there is the they have an opportunity they didn't have in that game, which is nice here. It's just you win this one, you send a message that as of right now, it is a three horse race for the best team in the Big East. Yeah, because you'd have you'd have a five and zero Providence team that's defeated uh, UConn. UConn will have two losses already. Xavier would presumably still be undefeated. I don't think they play tomorrow night. I think they're off right now. Yeah. So. um yeah, yeah, Xavier's off. So Xavier does not play until Saturday, which, by the way, is a game at Villanova, which becomes very, very interesting for the state of that Villanova program after yeah. having lost at home to Marquette. But yeah, then it's the, the Friars are number one in the standings in the Big East if they win this game. And they will be through Saturday at, at a minimum because they'll be the only team with five wins. And UConn yeah. will be there with two losses. And we'll see what happens the rest of the way. A, a two-game lead with 13 to play or with a 14 to play, 15, wherever we're at here. 16 yeah, to play. Oh, no, after, the 15 game, after this. Yeah. Two-game lead with 15 games to play and a matchup between the two teams left. Doesn't mean a ton, but you'd rather have it than not have it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what, what do we say? All, all non-conference matters. You know, 12 Big East wins and you're in. And, and I'd say getting number five is a big brick onto that wall. And it's to look ahead a tiny bit, the home game, the end of the week against the St. John's team that has not played very well and still does not have a win away from it does not have a win in a road game. They have one win away from home on a neutral side against Florida state, a bad Florida state team. Yeah. But that's, you got a chance here. If you take care of what you do there to start off six and oh, and you're halfway to kind of the target to make sure you're in the dance already by the end of this week. In early January, and then all right. Yeah, obviously, you don't want to coast if you're that good. The the site, our sites become a little bit higher than just making the dance. Yeah, but that's then your your floor becomes making the dance, and I think we'd all feel very very good about that, given where this program has been in its history. Yeah, I agree. You look at the 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 past couple of seasons. You know, you go from, you know, you're relieved to receive a bid to now that should be the expectation, and the expectation should be. Beyond that, getting past the first game, the first weekend, really. But that's getting that's getting way ahead of ourselves here, because and, hey, we'll, we'll remember that the Friars have not won back to back tournament ga- games in the tournament in back to back years since seventy two and seventy three. So they're looking to do something they have not done in forty years here, if they're able to do it. So that's where it's like it's. I will take what I get. With yep. this team, it feels nice to be like, okay, we should be a ranked team, and to kind of feel that way for what should be the third time in the last four years. Yeah, if you win this one, 
You should be ranked. They were ranked last year, and you go back. They never got ranked at the end of 2020, right? No, I think they were 27th receiving votes after that six-game win streak. Um, and I think and, there was a point in time where they weren't receiving votes, but were certainly in the conversation in the 2020-2021 season before the wheels fell off. Yeah. Well, that, well, they fell off kind of early in that one, too, with the neutral losses right off the bat at the, the Maui Invitational in yeah, that was that that was that was a very quick blip of hey, this team returns David Duke, Nate Watson, and AJ Reeves, and then the the wheels fell off. Yeah, that was uh, they looked good the opener too. Yeah, uh, against I, I believe that was a supreme a cook a, a uh, Fairfield, Fairfield team had Supreme Cook. Yeah, one of my favorite names in basketball right there. Yeah, Supreme Cook, amazing, absolutely amazing. All right, uh, I don't know. How much else we have to talk about in this? Anything else you want to bring up? No, I, I'm very excited for this game. I think, you know, having UConn come in, you know, hungry after a loss, you know, just adds to this rivalry, especially now that they're fourth in the country too. I just, I, I think this game has a, a lot riding on it um, for both teams, you know, beyond the bragging rights of UConn hates Providence, Providence hates UConn. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a huge one. So this will be the first game in at this building at the amp between Providence and UConn since January 31st, 2013. We have seen the Friars knock off some top ranked UConn teams before. They actually beat number four UConn on the road back in 2004, the one that won by 10 points. So I think looking to, to repeat a little bit of that magic. Uh, yeah, they, they've done this against UConn before, they've spoiled UConn's party. A number of times here. They did it last year at UConn. UConn was ranked number 20 in that one. So we will see what the Friars are able to do Wednesday night. This one will be the 8.30 tip, the late one in the Big East double header there. Tomorrow night, yeah, it'll probably tip a little bit later. Probably tip 8.40 if I had to guess. Yeah. This one will be on Fox Sports 1. So make sure you got your your dials turned to that one. Um they are going to have Dave Sims and Donnie Marshall on the broadcast. I, I, <laughs> oh, man. Is, I is Phantom Dunn broadcasting for Fox Sports 1? I don't I think heard so. Him. Unless there's something behind the scenes otherwise, but I didn't A little surprised. So. I, have we gotten him for a game this year? I think the opener, Ryder. Have we gotten him for one since? I don't think do, we have. I do not know. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. I'm not here. If anybody does know and listens and wants to let us know, I, then I, please do. I will say I do not envy anyone who will be watching at home having to listen to Donnie Marshall talk about <laughs> UConn. Because for anyone that doesn't know Donnie Marshall, he is the biggest UConn fan on the planet. He played there. Mm-hmm. And every time he calls a UConn game, they do no wrong in his eyes. I thought he was going to cry after that Xavier loss. <laughs> or that Xavier win, rather. <gasps> Yeah, yeah, it was something. Friars coming into this one at twelve and three on the season, four and zero in the Big East. The Huskies come in at fourteen and one, three and one in the Big East, and fourth in the AP poll. Uh, just to round this out, their leading scores: Adama Snogo, seventeen point eight points a game. Jordan Hawkins was another name we didn't mention in here. He's their best three point shooter. He averages fourteen point six points a game. Their assist leader is Tristan Newton in the backcourt. He transferred in from East Carolina. Oh, sorry, he's not. Uh, 
Andre Jackson's their assist leader with 5.1, but Tristan Newton as a guard kind of the backcourt is their assist leader there with 4.6. Those are the, the biggest names to know for UConn. We'll, we'll have some kind of coverage for you after this one. I don't know exactly when we're going to do our post-game show. I'll be on the Road to the Garden podcast Wednesday night after this one. Maybe, yeah, you'll, you'll be at the game, so you won't be on. I'll, I'll be on the road home after the game. Yes. So if you want immediate post-game coverage, come join me on Road to the Garden with uh, Tommy Godin, and uh, we'll give you some instant instant post-game on this, plus the other games in the Big East, and look ahead at the weekend slate. But uh, That's going to do it for us on this one welcome to 2023 joe and uh thanks everybody for listening make sure you go uh go subscribe wherever it is you're listening to this and we'll see you next time go friars